Hi, my name is Amy Morgan, the host of the Mindfulness Academy podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to introduce you today to our guest, Dr. Jan Byers. Thank you for joining us today, Jan. Thank you for having me, Amy. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm going to let folks know just how impressive you are. (laughs) This is one very smart human we have sitting across from me, and we are honored to have her on our show. Dr. Jan Byers is a leadership development expert who began using mindfulness practices in her work in 2005. Since 1998, she has been the president of Lead Sync, which focuses on leadership development across industries, building capacity, capability, and value-based leaders. She is the author of A Call to Wholeness, she has had a silence practice since 1985. Impressive. She has an aura about her um, that I've not experienced with another human being. So I'm going to say that first and wow. foremost. Thank you. She has uh, a still water that runs deep within her. Mm-hmm. That's the sense I always get when I'm around you. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Uh, to continue her amazing accomplishments, um, she has a bachelor's in design and visual communication. Uh, from the University of Kansas, a master's in clinical counseling from Wright State University, and a doctorate in leadership and change from Antioch University. Welcome, smart human being. Appreciate it. Um, We are going to talk a little bit about first how we met. Um, It's been just a little while ago, not too terribly far Mm. in the past, where our paths crossed. I believe the first time we encountered one another was at the NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. Yeah? Yeah, I was doing a little mini presentation right. and um, in small groups and just helping you guys bring it down, calm down after a day so you can sit and enjoy each other's company and network. It was lovely. I really enjoyed that experience, as did others. It felt like mm-hmm. we really connected to each other in an authentic way, the the prompts mm-hmm. that you gave to us, but then also the the breathing exercises and kind of the grounding exercises were a nice way to calm down after a day's work. Yeah. That was that was lovely. Um so tell us where you're from. Give give us a little bit of background on who is Jan Byers outside of all those impressive credentials. <laughs> um well I grew up in Kansas City, but my mindfulness journey really started in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I got my first really big promotion. I was so excited. Uh, And I moved across the country by myself. I didn't know how hard that was. (laughs) And um, didn't really fit in. And really kind of like, so what happens, and this is why people don't do mindfulness, is all your stuff comes up, right? And so what do you do with all that? And this was a fairly long time ago. So Um, You know, there wasn't this therapist on the web that you just, you know, pay so much a month and you're all good, right? So I read books and I just tried to figure it out and um, attended some, like, community classes on different subjects and I came across a book on meditation and I thought, all right, well, I'm going to try that. And I did. And for a little bit a day, and of course, it's like any skill, whatever you're learning how to do, it takes a minute to learn it, right? You have to just keep showing up. Um, And those were the times of the day when I was at peace. And the fact that I figured out that I could step out of what I call the crazy really helped me. It was that little bit of differentiation. So 
yes, all this stuff was going on in my life. Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, you're young, you're just trying to figure out everything, right? Um, but there's this, this core of peace that I can flip back to. And that's a pretty huge learning. And it's not like, oh, I'm this phenomenal person. Alcohol made me vomit. <laughs> you know, like the, the kind of thing you would do when you're in your 20s, right? I couldn't do. So, <laughs> so I had to find a different answer. <laughs> and that was for you. And so that was, how old were you when you discovered mindfulness? Um, 24. 24. Yeah. Okay. And is that when your silent practice began? No, it took another year before that happened. Okay. Sure. So before we hop into some more content, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a short practice with us. I know that you had offered up very generously yeah. to have kind of a, a shallow, you know, little dip a toe in the water for, for a practice and then a little bit of a deeper dive. So, yep, let's do that now. So first, let's just start, and they throw this term around all the time, by getting grounded. Grounded means you're in your body. Grounded means you can feel your feet on the floor. If you're sitting, you can feel yourself supported by the chair. But you can do it standing. You don't have to close your eyes, although you might go deeper if you do. I'm just going to focus on our heart. I'm just putting my hand here for emphasis for TV. It's not something that you would necessarily need to do. And we're going to breathe in through our heart. And it's a visualization, right? We're still using our lungs. We're breathing out through our solar plexus, diaphragm, stomach. It's that area where your ribs sort of start to break open. So we're breathing in here and out here. Not too deep, not straining. Just a nice deep breath in through the heart, out through the diaphragm. Let's do five breaths. So what we've done with that practice is we've brought down our autonomic nervous system. Our heart's beating a little bit less fast. Our blood pressure's probably dropped. But there's a vagus nerve that starts down at the bottom of the diaphragm and goes all the way up to our higher brain. We've interacted with that, if you will, in two different places, and we've brought that down so it's a nice smoother rhythm, the pulse that our heart is now sending up that nervous system to the part of our brain where we make critical decisions has smoothed out. And that's the piece that's important. I feel calmer. calmer. I, I think it's always fun to mm -hmm. listen to my voice after I've mm -hmm. had someone lead a practice. I just, whew, yeah, very much appreciate that. Thank you, mm -hmm. Jan. So I would like to kick off the next uh, set of questions by asking, what is your definition of mindfulness? Just in layman's terms. Presence of mind. Okay. 
So um, people often tie that to groundedness, right? So again, presence, I'm here. I'm here in this moment. I have a spiritual teacher who's always saying, where are your feet, where are your feet, right? I'm not so spinning in my head that I, you know, don't know where my feet are, don't know where my body is. I'm actually present in my body. As, as the Western world has a habit of doing, we kind of tend to cut ourselves off here. Certainly don't want to pay attention to the heart because, you know, that's all weak, right? <laughs> and, um, and we need our whole self to be present. So mindfulness is more than just the mind. It's being present in this moment. I liked how you said it earlier. Um, Jan and I had a little uh, little snafu, we could call it, a little <laughs> earlier before the show started. Uh, parking meters in downtown Indianapolis. Um, always a joy. Always a joy. And we're, we're not functioning for us today. And so... Um, we had, we had a couple of moments. There were a couple of beats where it felt very stressful. I was feeling myself kind of tense up and, and think, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I cannot believe this is happening for our guest. I was, I was noticing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved how you were talking about um, how, how when we have big emotions, how it's really important to um, notice those so we don't allow those big emotions before they're checked to control our bodies. So we're not just kind of like puppets is mm -hmm. kind of how I kind of visualize that. I think that that's an important visual for that, that if we're, if we're not grounded, if we're not all together one, this wholeness that, that mm -hmm. we'll talk about even in, in your book, if you don't have that, you, you are a puppet to your emotions. You swing all around. Um, there's a point I facilitate some um, spiritual formation courses, and Teresa Vavilla would say, when you're conquered by love, you swing less then, right? Because you're just in this state of love. And I recently saw a movie that the Dalai Lama and the Desmond Tutu put together, so a Buddhist and a Christian, like, at the high levels, right? And they're just laughing like eight-year-old boys. They're just, they're in joy, because, of course, they've been conquered by love, right? It doesn't mean that they're like, Oh, there's no problems. Our world are great. We're pretty clear both of these people have faced problems and continue to face problems, right? right. But until then, and I'm nowhere near that yet, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get hit by that oh crap thing, right? We're going to get hit by that whatever. And it's how quick we bring ourselves back. We're going to always be correcting. I love that. Yeah, and I love the visual of we're not there yet. But we're just on this journey, and we're, I, I love that you're along the path with me for this, for this mm -hmm. stint. That's, that's a beautiful visual. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your, your morning mindfulness routine. Mm. I know you love your silence. You've been doing silence as a practice, would you say daily? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yes. I Since haven't missed a day in years. Beautiful. Um, and it's been decades you've been doing it. What? Yeah. 30, now, 40 years? When I was younger, there would be stints where I might not do it as well. You know, well, that's a judgment. You don't ever judge a practice. Um, you have good days. You have bad days. Those are both judgments. Um, you have days like, why did I bother sit here? <laughs> and other days were like, wow, man, I just want to stay all day. Um, and you just keep showing up. And you show up for your time. For me, it's 25 minutes. 
I just picked that. It's not magical. And, I mean, basic necessities that I'm back, I'm at my sit. It, and when I, I can't do it, like sometimes if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll do my sit, and then I move my alarm back because, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I'm human, and it's like, oh, I want that extra half hour. <laughs> um, and then I don't sit then. It feels wrong. There's something about it. And the other piece that I add, and I guess it's as much as my practice as anything, is so I'm clear and calm, right? And then I'm kind of just looking through my day, in my head, of course. And um, sometimes you can fix things like, oh, wait, I need to remember to do that. Or just, you know what I mean? Little cleanup, little extra. It's not quite planning because I'm not in my left brain going doot, 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 doot. I'm in a perceptual shift that occurs the more mindful you are. You actually have an expanded state of vision. And no, I'm not being woo-woo. Um, and it's like you can see a problem more from 360, and you're like, oh, wait, can't forget that today. Sure. And it just makes your life that much easier. It saved you the t more than 25 minutes. It's a great investment yeah. in your morning. And so mm -hmm. are you sitting on a cushion? You're sitting in a, in a special chair? What does I, it look like? I get in bed. You just I, sit I mean, up I, in bed? I have all my, my props, and mm -hmm. I just sit right back down. Um, so I do have no a fancy, no fancy equipment needed. Nothing. You got pillows and you got a bed. Yeah. Now okay. there's a chair that I can use for um, a second. I don't necessarily do my second sit in bed, right? It's just, it's warmer. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not getting dressed, right? I'm just, um, so I have another place in my office. I have a chair, um, but I've looked at those things. They look nice. You know, they have these crate chairs or these special pillows or whatever. You know how much money those are? It's like, I don't want to... I, I mean, I could buy them, but I just don't need them. I hear you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's that's a beautiful thing. Do you, do you kind of start with some sort of breathing exercise? Oh. You seem like you um, would do that. It's not a breathing exercise so much as, um, like, lately... I have a, a girlfriend who's been doing Course in Miracles, and I did Course in Miracles five years ago, and I loved it. I did it for quite a while, and I have an app on my phone, and so I just read the day's message, but it could be any message, right? Like there's all these little books and things that you can get that have a daily message, um, or sometimes if I'm reading a book that I really like, uh, it's often in close to my bed some way, and I'll just open a page and read a paragraph, you know, just... Just that little tiny shift in um, where I'm coming from. It kind of opens my heart, I guess is what I would say. I am constantly surprised by how just even a paragraph or a beautiful line from a poem or something that inspires me or aligns me back to what is good and right and pure that what an impact that has on my thoughts, on the things that I say in the day, on my overall well-being. It, 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 I think one of my points in, in mindfulness is that it doesn't take super expensive equipment. If you have a bed and some pillows, it doesn't take 
oodles and oodles of time. Sometimes my practice looks like five minutes sitting down writing my glowy daily reflection practice, which we'll do, we'll, we'll do later. And that is my practice to center myself before I go out the door. But every day I work very hard to give myself at least a few moments to make sure before I run out and let, you know, the worries of the day or, or my emotions carry me away that I, I come back to center just even for a little bit. Makes a big difference. It sincerely does. Oh, my my disc, it's a psychological test if you're familiar yeah, with of it. Of course. Completely changed. And really? Um, How so? I I uh, had a very high C and my C is much more middle now. Okay. And that's the conscientious? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Attention to detail. Now I can still flip into that. Mm-hmm. But it's more of a choice now than a driven kind of obsessiveness, okay. right? Which is an important thing. So, w- what rose for you? Um, influence. Influence. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I'll add one other thing: um, that shift that we're talking about, even that little bit of breathing that we, I just did, you know, to start, it it cha- it shows up on an fMRI. It actually changes that same. Um, movie I was talking about with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, they did a graphic of the fMRI and how it changes uh, for long-term meditators. And uh, they did, it, it's graphics, it's not an actual fMRI, but it's beautifully done. And uh, one of the points that they made was that, so if you're anticipating pain, like you're getting in a car, it's 100 degrees, you're sitting down in your car, it's probably 100 and whatever, 40 there, right? You gotta, you have, I have black interior, whatever. <laughs> not the best choice. And it's hot, right? And it's not like I'm burning myself. I'm not going to get blisters or whatever, but everything's hot. And there's that sort of negative anticipation, right? Well, they did a similar type thing where they were exposed people to heat. And a meditator doesn't hold on to it. It doesn't... Um, it's more of a noticing and letting go? That's it. Like, okay. it it's not like they don't have feelings, <laughs> but they don't anticipate it and they don't hold on to it and spin on it afterwards. Yeah. I think um, a lot of meditation, meditation has helped me a lot with being able to step back for just a moment and name something because there's a lot of power in, in naming something. And instead of throwing loads of judgment or letting a story take me down a, a very long and bumpy path, Sometimes I can stop that before it starts, or sometimes it happens, mm-hmm. and I get going down that crazy path of telling myself stories, but I notice it. That's it. See? And so even if it happens, it. I, I still, I notice that this is triggered in me, and I'm thinking this, right. which may or may not be true at all, right. and isn't that interesting? And. And that repetitive piece where we're interrupting, we're interrupting, we're interrupting, we're interrupting is what changes biochemistry. Because when we're spinning in this blah, 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 we're secreting, we're pushing the emotions, the adrenaline, the cortisol, that stuff through our body. And then I stop it, and then my body re-regulates. And so I've literally, I mean, you know, there's always talk about biochemistry and how important it is, which it is. But we control it. Yeah. We're not stead at seven, and that's just you, and deal with it. I like that. You are a leadership development expert. Mm-hmm. 
and I want to get into that okay. because it's very fascinating. We had a great conversation before the camera started rolling. Yep. And um, I'm wondering if you could tell me about the correlation between mindfulness and leadership. So I'm going to back up just a little bit and to clarify definitions. Most leadership development, particularly if you're looking at the HR person in whatever corporation, is teaching horizontal leadership development. I'm going to teach you the skill. You know, you're going to collaborate better. You're going to negotiate better. You're going to use time management. There's so many things. And those are all great. We, we need new skills, right? If, especially if there's a new program coming out or something like that. Psychological development, what Harvard now calls vertical development, is what I do. So back in the day when I graduated with my master's and I worked with adolescent boys, I was doing psychological development for them. And in this case, they were mentally ill. So I had to take them through their pain first and then just teach them how to be good, responsible adults, right? Um, and so when I went to my private practice and I started doing a little bit of business, my decision was very purposeful. I was going to just work on the top part of the scale instead of the people that now meet the criteria for mental illness. I'm working on the people that are healthy, but still have all sorts of thinking errors or these stories that run through, right? All this stuff that messes us up, okay? So as a leader of an organization, everything that you are gets broadcasted through. Just like as a parent, if you say this word, your kid's going to say it. <laughs> if you do this thing, your employee's going to do it. And of course, we're blind to a lot of those things. We pretend that we didn't do that. Um, so we have to keep growing up. And we talked about um, Ken Wilber's work and the tagline that I like so much is um, growing up, waking up, and showing up. Say that again. <laughs> growing up, waking up, showing up. That's leadership, right? It's from a mindfulness book. But if you don't have presence of mind and you aren't able to self-correct, you have no idea why this ripple just went through your organization. It went through because you created it. So the primary obstacle for organizations are not the economics of a situation or suppliers or that stuff. It's, uh, it's the leaders. There's a, there used to be an organization in Ohio. They did the uh, Myers-Briggs on them. And every single person but one of their C-suite had the exact same profile. Now, we talk about diversity from, you know, a slightly different perspective, but there's a diversity problem. <laughs> and it, you know the person that had the different voice was belittled or, or ridiculed or, or whatever, right? Um, so there's, it's really important, well, if you're not functioning a step or two higher than the average level of development, like you get out of college and that's your level of development, if you haven't gone above that a couple of levels, Wilbur, we're talking two levels higher. Um, you're gonna just make a mess of things and spend all your life cleaning it up and then complain about it. I, I've had a leader come to me and say, I gave a presentation and 300 people didn't get what I said out of 306. Um, can you fix those people? No, sure can't, because those 300 people aren't the problem. <laughs> what is it? Grow up? Wake up. Wake up. Show up. Show up. Okay. So I do the grow up primarily. I have done my own waking up since the 80s, right? And so I do little part-time gigs with the, the waking up. Um, 
because understanding it is not all about me and continuing to understand our interconnection is absolutely critical. And I'm not talking social media, I'm talking David Bohm, Undivided Wholeness and Flowing Movement, the original term for quantum holographic theory. Oh, big words here. All right, yeah. let's talk about quantum holographic theory. Well, we don't have to get like all weird. Um, basically, it says that we're interconnected in a profound way. Guess what? We're interconnected in a profound way. <laughs> I love how you define things so simply. It makes sense. Yeah. And so like all that stuff, like if you watch Big Bang, you know, there's the Higgs boson and there's string theory and there's like all these different theories, but they're all based on our interconnection. So that's not the piece that's in question, right? Everything's energy. Guess what? We've known that for over a hundred years. Everything is energy. Our thoughts are energy. Those actions that I have on my employees impact them. I was talking to a woman at Ohio State. They got a new chancellor. This is many years ago. She said the from the first memo, there was a change in culture of the campus. It was just the tone shifted. She'd never even met the person. She was a half a mile away. And the tone shifted. How powerful. Yeah. So culture is the holding environment that we as leaders create. And our presence, our mindfulness, our capacity for self-control, self-correction, and ultimately self-transformation, that's that step even higher, is the leadership development that I do. Excellent. And so give me an example of a time where someone growing up um, and, and through the work that you are doing with um, training leaders in mindfulness. Do you call it that? You're training leaders in mindfulness, or is that kind no, no. of a... No, no, mindfulness is a new term, remember? I ha oh, well, it's not new. <laughs> it's the latest buzzword, like like hor uh, vertical development. I didn't use that last year. It wasn't around last year. It's just whatever they're calling it. But psychological development's been around since Maslow. Come on. Like, it's not new. We get more refined. We get more... You know, we know more as we study it more, but it's not a new concept. Sure, of course. Um, so psychological development's not new. Being, like I said, I started using these techniques in 05. It wasn't a business term in 05. No. No, but the shift physiologically is absolutely critical. If you're gonna think critically, which you kinda have to be able to do, and you have to know when you're doing it and when you're not doing it, as a leader, like how do you make massive decisions and not know that you're capable, that you're in a critical thinking state, right? Um, how do you do, how do you lead without that stuff? I mean, people do it, but like, why? Why yeah. would you want to? Yeah, it sounds like a clean up on aisle three is what you're gonna be having happen quite a bit. I had a girlfriend, I mean, I still have her as a girlfriend. This was a long time ago, I have to coach this a very notable Washington, D.C. organization. She was brought in to help them with their communication. And she was belittled and all sorts of things because she didn't have the credential that they had. She had her credential, and she would say, I'm not here to teach you that. I'm here to teach you how to communicate better. So I have my, you know, my terminal degree, if you will. And I mean, it was nasty, 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 nasty. And she's like, I'm going to quit. 
She was making a lot of money. I'm like, you're not quitting. You are not quitting. So I walked her through five sessions, five sessions. Like an hour piece. Maybe an hour. Well, we're we're girlfriends, so hour and 15. You know what I mean? Like there's a little (laughs) extra chatty going on, right? Um, And she finished the job and had an impact. Excellent. Yeah. So a lot of the work that you do, though, is kind of like mindfulness in disguise. Is that true? Well, what they're mindfulness is if it's presence of mind, then it's absolutely mindfulness in disguise. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So it's a it's a coaching program. Okay, so is I'm gonna stop. Yeah, please. Um, coaching again is mostly horizontal. Okay. I develop people, vertical. Um, and and again, it's one of those terms. When I started doing this. You know, I could take a three-day course and become a certified coach, and the person who was going to teach me emotional intelligence for the day was not at the International Symposium I had just been to in August of 01, right? Like, what were they going to teach me? I just learned it from all the people who created the research. Um, So I'm less about skill development and more, again, about how you're tripping yourself up. So mindset, is that what you, what's the word? So I think I talked to you about this at one point. It's, it's, it is a a shift in the brain. Okay. It is a mindset. Remember we were talking about like these developmental milestones and the easy one is to see like when your child's ready to learn to read. Right. And they're drawing along and mommy, mommy. And you're like, put it up on the refrigerator. Right. Um, (laughs) And then two months later, oh, mommy, mommy, it's spot our dog. Boom. Because if that mess of lines can be a dog, then DOG can be a dog. And that shift has occurred. Can we look at the child and say, oh, look, two years later, two months later, they have more hair or something. No, you can't see it. And yet it's a profound change in their functioning. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So that's part of people call it soft and like it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's not real. Yeah. But it's pretty real. It works. (laughs) So give me, um, help me bridge the divide between um, the kids can now sketch out what they think is spot. And so Mm -hmm. you can now say DOG is this. So it's a level of abstraction. Okay. Right? So if this mess of lines, which is clearly an abstract drawing, it, we'll, we'll be kind and call it an abstract drawing. Yes, we will. <laughs> is no more abstract than DOG. Right. Right. And if DOG can mean doggy, then they can learn to read. They don't know how to read yet. We're not saying that. I'm saying that their mind can hold it. And how does that apply to what you're doing with business owners? Help me make that. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I'll jump there. A business owner has to understand that they're the first impact on their organization. They have to be self-aware enough to be looking for them, for what they're doing that's creating the problem. So if X happens out there, the first thing you do is look here. How did I precipitate that? How did I allow that to happen? How has my functioning created that? Now, I'm not saying you're responsible for 100%. There are stuff that happens, right? Sure. But you've checked yourself first. You self-corrected first 
before you're going out there. And you start with, okay, my bad, I did X. We need to correct this. And I need you guys to do this. So it's communication, it's collaboration, and it's all those things. But I have the psychological capacity to face the problem and correct it. So the analogy would be, help me, you, mm -hmm. you can totally correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but the analogy then would be if, if the business owner takes a piece of paper and says, well, here are three ways that I had an influence on this negative situation. Mm -hmm. So when they can identify that these are things mm -hmm. that affect out there, mm -hmm. then you then that's kind of a, is that a similarity then? So here's the deal. The first thing that happened with that is that they were able to sit in the problem long enough to even identify it, right? They didn't just go and start screaming at people, right? So there's the change. That's the psychological strength. I call it the ab muscles, right? It's like I'm going to be a college basketball store because I'm the best three-point shooter in the world, but I won't do weight training. Well, okay, but anybody can knock you over then. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you can maybe shoot it if you can get the shot, but you probably won't get it. Um, you, you have to be able to hold steady. You have to be able to hold steady. It's that... Um, Core strength is the, is the term I use. So the developmental milestone, if you want to look for something, is the core strength to stay in the problem. Oh, could be this. Might not have it all. Could be I have to sit in it even longer, but I can go work on something. You know, a lot of Brene Brown is um, shame and then being having the strength to do that. But we have to have the strength to do, like not everybody can do Brene Brown because you have to have the psychological development to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. And that's what I work on with people. It sounds woo-woo, but of course we're teaching basic techniques to shift your state so that you're stronger. A lot of times people have a level of development, but they're so overwhelmed, they're so burnt out, they're so weighted down that if we can just kind of take some of that off of them by teaching them how to handle it, they pop right back up. Mm -hmm. yeah. we, we know that. Like, think about last time you were sick and, you know, you're just short and irritable and blah, 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 and whatever. Um, that's not your highest functioning, right? <laughs> that, that's not where you want to live. And you know it, hopefully. And, and you minimize uh, contact and <laughs> damage, <laughs> right? Um, Using my words. I, I use that a lot. In, in our family, that's mm -hmm. that's that's, a, that's right. a common mantra. When when big emotions start showing up, can you please use your words? Right. So instead of the scribble of the abstract dog, use the words to identify right. the problem or else I can't right. be of service. Right. So I love that. So there's that pause. And that's why it's relating now back to mindfulness, right? From a cognitive behavioral perspective, oh, what's my limiting belief? How am I going to dispute that? Oh, I could do this. Oh, and it's just as true as what I was thinking was true, but I bet this is closer to the truth. And that, it can be 30 seconds, it can be 15 seconds, but I don't think that every thought that I have is the truth. And I interrupt, and I reset, and I interrupt, and I reset, and I create a space literally in my heart and mind and body 
and in my capacity to show up with other people. And so I tie the mindfulness with the tasks of leadership, which most people do not know, uh, never been trained in it. And so how are we going to grow up, wake up, and show up while we orchestrate conflict? So give us another tip. So mm-hmm. I, I heard you saying that um, in order to be a good leader, you do need to do those three things, the mantra we keep saying. Mm-hmm. You also need to be able to identify, I mean, it's really a, a bit of humility. <clears throat> how, how am I committing, um, how, how am I contributing to this problem? Um, what else? Is there anything else that you tend to... I'm going to um, go back to how am I contributing because that goes to holding the environment. So I'm using Hypet's model in case you didn't pick up on that. Um, number one task is to hold the environment. So think about the environment like the weather out here. Uh, we have humidity, we have temperature, whatever. There's so much percentage chance of rain, right? Uh, or dew point tonight, whatever it's going to be. When it reaches that, dew just shows up. Like, we're not 10 anymore looking at the grass going, oh my gosh, where'd this water come from, right? We just like, yeah, whatever, I'm getting my shoes wet. <laughs> um, the conditions have been met. Boom, it's there. Hello? Whatever you think, the conditions have been met. Whatever problem is out there, the conditions have been met. How, since it's your number one task, how have you held those conditions? What have you done? I think or most, failed to do? I think one of the most fascinating questions as a writer, someone who's mm-hmm. trained in journalism, is Why? Because whenever something just mind-blowing happens, it's exactly what you're saying. You go back and trace it back to, how did we get here? Right. Okay, let's start there. And yeah. in, in a lot of ways, there's an ownership that happens when you trace things back. And in a lot of ways, I feel like it makes it less scary because you're naming the steps along the path. You break it down in chunks. Well, if you're controlling yourself, and I don't mean this in some kind of power over control, I just mean I'm paying attention, I'm mindful, I'm present, and something happens, I can correct. But if it's all you guys, like it's not me, I haven't done, I haven't done anything, it's all you guys, I'm pretty helpless. Yeah, that brings up a point um, I recently learned from uh, Gabby Bernstein. I don't know if you've listened to any of her mm-hmm. stuff. Um, beautiful soul she is. She talks uh, a lot about that we can do it again. We can have a do-over. <laughs> sometimes. All the time. You know what? We did that out in the hallway. Because when I first came in, the parking meter wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Right. We had that moment of, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. We were both really stressed for those moments. And then after we resolved it, technology for the win, mm-hmm. I came back in and I said, hello again, Jan. <laughs> Can <laughs> we start it. over? And I that's think that, that is a, that's a beautiful thing. It's another, I think leadership and humility might go yeah. hand in hand. Is maybe that's something exactly that's coming it. out for me because um, I think we have a lot of that in our office um, mm-hmm. at Good Aim Communications. We, one thing I feel like our team does really well is we can say things when, when, when things get out of line. Um, Mm -hmm. because we all, we want all the ships to rise. Right. And so it's not a personal attack. We can, we can say things and it goes both ways. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. times when folks on my team will come to me and say, Amy, 
this not your best this. moment yeah or just we need to fix this mm-hmm. you know that we we're, we're going down just a, a direction I, I don't think is a good idea or very tactically this needs to be handled and it needs to be right. you um, <laughs> there are many times it's just and yeah. it needs to be you it yeah. needs to be something that comes from you mm-hmm. and um I appreciate that honestly I'm gonna get teary because it's just it's right. so critical But that takes a level of development to be able to have someone, you know, are you the person that wants to know you have spinach in your teeth? Or or do you not? You you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I I probably have asked every one of my employees, (laughs) do I have something in my teeth? (laughs) You know, and there are people that just like, I once had a friend, you know, we were writing papers and we sent them to other various people that we have proofread them for us before we send them in, right? And she's like, oh, I hate getting it back. I'm like, I love getting it back. Because I miss something, and, and I want to know, I, I don't want to get a bad grade because I sent in a crappy page, you know what I mean, like typos and stuff, right? Um, and it's like, I want that feedback so I can make it better, and then I just go on. It, it's not, I'm a bad person because I, you know, had typos or something. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to know that, but not everybody can, or... I could know it on a paper, but not so much over here. Like, you know, there'd be areas of my life. Like, we can have spot development, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, this morning I was I was getting critiqued on a, um, actually, a, a, the podcast trailer. We, we, were, we were crafting that, and um, I noticed myself, like, I know I drafted it. I know I recorded it. What are they going to say? Mm-hmm. Well, this part could be better. Okay, yep. It, so there are parts where I'm still developing, and sure. I recognize, yeah, and that's uh, it's fine. harder to take feedback in certain areas than it is in others. And I noticed that about myself because ever since I've been in college, uh, studied journalism, I've been writing and getting critiqued constantly yeah. since then because I've never stopped writing. Mm-hmm. And so it always comes at me. But to write something that's a little new mm-hmm. is is unnerving. And I noticed right. it touching places that felt maybe a little insecure. Um, so humility, I, yeah. I'm feeling that, and I think humility that that's is what. Um, so Keegan would call this level five. Uh, Wilbur calls it integral, but it's a level of development that's about again we're all interconnected, and we're all growing and we're all moving forward. So there is no perfection. This whole delusion of I'm going to be perfect all the time. No, you're not. You're going to be delusional, but you're not going to be perfect. Um, <laughs> It's just not a reality, right? I grew up in that. You had to be perfect world. It was terrible. Right, right. Um, so, humil- you, you know, there's um, books called Humble Leadership. Like, that's what it is. You know what I keep, what I try to always keep in mind is beginner's mind. Is that the Suzuki? I don't remember. I think that might be a Suzuki. Right. Um, but that that helps me remember I'm always a student. I mean, just because something, I mean, you talked about it, that there are certain terms that you wouldn't have used in 2005, but you started using them last year. We're, we're, if we're not constantly students and have the, the space held for mm-hmm. new ideas, for refinement, mm-hmm. I, we, we just start, I, I think I, I recently heard that if, if we're not constantly changing, if we're not constantly open to kind of feedback and refinement, that's the point at which we start to die. Yeah, that's when right? we start to get old. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, this is 
a little bit of resistance to that. And, and it makes for a more, I don't know, a, a more peaceful work environment, a more peaceful home environment. If you realize mm-hmm. I don't have it all figured out or what I had figured out last week doesn't mm-hmm. apply anymore. <laughs> and there are many organizations where you don't know something, they would consider that weakness. So it's still very much the predominant level of functioning. And most people only think of command and control when they think of leadership, which is shut up and do what I say, um, which what, doesn't what work anymore. Say? Shut up and do what I say. But what did you name that? Command and control. Command and control. Yeah. 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 What do you think that is? What do you think we've been that oh. way? What, what do you think it's Machiavelli wrote the book in 15 whatever that told you exactly how to do it. He was named the father of power politics. Literally, as long as you look good, you don't actually have to be doing good for your people. Ugh, okay. Yeah, it's bad. And so we've not evolved out of that, is what you're saying? We're using technology from the 1500s. And we need a reset. You think? (laughs) So... I know it's old hat to talk about COVID at this point. I'm tired. I think so many people are, in a lot of ways, we're over it. It's hard to, it's hard to have capacity for it, mm-hmm. to keep thinking about it. Because again, what worked last week, we might be back in masks next week. We might yep. be quarantined the following week. We just don't know. We're still in that place. Yep. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how COVID has impacted leadership. And we talked a little bit offline about maybe yeah. how that, that question might be sculpted. I'm going to give you free reign around that. Go for it. So COVID obviously was just being hit by a tsunami, right? Like, And if we were able to be present and calm, even though we had no idea what was going to happen, I'm not going to have work next week, you know, (laughs) what am I going to do? I can't leave the house for three weeks. What do you mean I can't leave the house for three weeks? And that's when you really draw on that ab strength, that core strength, right? That's when that silence practice, you add a third sit, right? Maybe five more. (laughs) Because if you can't, it's like we have to expand our our consciousness, our um, perception, even more in order to be able to see. So at a highest level of, all right, I need to rephrase. At the highest level that functioning as a leader that I'm versed in, there is a capacity to see patterns. And patterns aren't new, AI's reading patterns, right? Um, But being able to see the patterns means I can get ahead of it. And that's what the mindfulness does. So we're bringing ourselves into a state of calm. We're still scanning our environment. So like I did my sit, and now I'm thinking, okay, there's my day. And it doesn't look like any other day I've had recently. (laughs) And I'm clear enough to figure out a novel step, an adaptive solution. This is what we're looking for. We're going to have other COVID-like things, and I don't mean health, there's gonna be other things that will change our world. Uh, Could be global warming. (laughs) Um, And we have to be able to sit clear enough and calm enough to see the possible solutions to walk out of it, right? It's the only way. 
I, I am constantly amazed by the power of mindfulness. We talk a lot about this in our office, how it gives you that power to respond instead of react. And Jan, it's, the, it's so important, not just for leaders in marketing companies oh, like ours or right. leadership development like yours, but think about it in large corporations. Think about the impact that that has in our politics, our policy makers. Uh-huh. Okay, I just got a little bit of goosebumps there thinking about that yeah. to pause and yes. to sit. If that could become part of how we, how we lead. And let's be honest, we're all leaders in some capacity, whether we recognize it or not. So it doesn't matter where you serve, where you work, what position you have. You are a leader in some capacity. Well, I define leadership as motivating, lining, and influencing. So if any point in your work, you're motivating people, aligning people, influencing people, that's a form of leadership. I'm not trying to do the Pollyanna thing where, oh, everybody's a leader. Well, some people can't do those things, so then maybe not. But you have an opportunity to do them. Yeah. Um, And it's important that you understand, again, interconnection, like really real stuff. The HeartMath Institute talks about heart fields. And they've measured, so EKG, right? Again, not woo-woo stuff, right? Science. Um, They're measuring out. 12, 15 feet now. So we are all in the same heart field right this minute. Um, The more chaotic I am, the more I send chaos out. The more calm and clear I am, the more I'm sending out coherence, right? And we think about those flocks of birds or whatever, they're entrained. They, you know, it's not the same bird at the front all the time, right? They just drop into formation and they fly that way because aerodynamically it's a good idea, right? Like it's easier to do. It's easier for us to flow together. Um, so that alone has a huge impact on, a, on an office, on a community. And just like I was talking about the person from Ohio State, you don't have to be within 10 feet of me for me to have had an impact through the tone of my emails or those Your kinds memo. of things. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's powerful. And, and that really shines a light on technology as a means of expanding our heart field. Is that what you called it? Mm-hmm. The heart field? Heart field, yeah. Yeah. Power. And so yeah. it's important yeah. we are we are calm and centered before right. we we send that energy out into the world. And so yeah, there are even times when before I leave um, my house, I think I didn't sit long enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to go into mm-hmm. what I have on my plate mm-hmm. today. I, I'm too scattered. And there are times Mm -hmm. I'll show up a little bit late, 10 or 15 minutes, because I say it's worth it. Because I'd rather Mm -hmm. have 10 or 15 minutes going in the right direction (laughs) that sets us in the right direction than half a day running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Or you could go in and sit with your people for 10 minutes. Uh, We do some of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's part of our Monday morning routine is we'll practice another mindfulness activity together. And it's really beautiful. It's a very, it's a great bonding activity. It's really fascinating to see how our voices change, how our, how our shoulders come down from our mm-hmm. ears a little bit, right. how the, the huge problems that we might've walked in 
to the you know to the meeting with aren't quite so big anymore we're we're all right we're gonna we're gonna tackle it together as a team so I love that and I love the visual of um you know the birds flying together and 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 I think that proves the point that I mean they do peel off you know it's kind of like a peloton you know in the tour de france you know they they they'll somebody will peel off and get a breather and someone else will lead for a little bit and that's really important because you can't lead 100% of the time sometimes you have to say this this one's yours this well, one's yours if you're being a true leader values based leader I'm very specific cuz I don't I don't want to develop command and control leaders um then if you're not having these, your people do parts of it. Like if they're not learning up some aspect of it, you're not values-based leader either, right? Because like development would be part of the deal, right? Like bringing your people along, having them be ready. You don't know. You won't be in a car. No negative We we win the lottery around our office. But like, you know, like you'll be out for a month or two months or whatever could happen, right? So how are your people going to be ready to handle that? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Mm-hmm. Win the lottery. We're mm-hmm. going to say win the lottery. Don't jinx me now, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering if you have any mindfulness tips for beginners. Because I know it was a, the beginning for you was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but like you said, a lot of stuff comes up. And not all mm-hmm. of it's good. Oh, I did not enjoy it scary. very much. Mostly, <laughs> it, it can feel really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I try to spread around because it helped me so much was when things feel scary, when I'm sitting and it feels really scary, mm-hmm. that I'll tap into how my body feels. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what is it that, right. what, what, what's going on in my body? Just get curious mm-hmm. about my body. And that allows me to step back just a moment. And I might say, my throat's really tight. Mm -hmm. And I notice I'm not really breathing right now, which Mm -hmm. is weird. Um, Maybe my eyes are tearing up because something just came across, Mm -hmm. you know, the screen of my mind that Mm -hmm. really stirred me up. And it feels a lot less scary because that's just your body responding to something instead of getting tangled up in, in the emotions of it. So that that's my that's my two cents but mm-hmm. i'm curious what kind of tips you would give folks because i'm sure you you probably you probably train business leaders who are like what are you talking about i've never practiced <laughs> anything like this or do you even well, have leaders they sit? have to want to do it sure right. sure 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 but they, maybe they don't have experience in it and that's and right. do, do you, that's do why you actually... i start with the scientific version and of course it can stay in the science the whole time i mean quantum holographic theory is not it's pretty scientific um, do you have them sit? I, I've got to know. Do you have I'll folks sit? I'll start with the breathing exercises like we started today. Okay. And I'll do another one here in just a minute. But let me just say, you know, we talked about growing up, waking up, showing up. Under the growing up phase is the cleanup. And not everybody has to do that, and some have more than others and all those things. And sometimes you need help with that. If the pain is such, uh, maybe it's your friend. Um, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a minister, maybe it's, but someone that, I'm going to say hold your pain, but I don't mean that they necessarily have their arms around you, that they can just sit with you while you're in that pain. And of course, they have to be steady to do that, right? Um, and that already makes it feel safer because you're kind of getting rid of some of that 
So memories are stored in our nervous system. So all these pieces that come float up every once in a while. Are you a big body keep score gal? Um, I, I would just say that, I mean, that's the way memory works, right? Yeah. And it's not just in our brain. We tend to be very neuro-focused. It's, you know, when they say it's like riding a bike, they mean your body remembers how to ride a bike. <laughs> and it's a balance thing, right? It's not your left brain saying, I'm going to stay up, I'm going to stay up. That typically doesn't work. <laughs> um, so if you can have someone be present with you, you are more capable of being present. And when you learn the skill of being present, assuming that we have something more than, you know, I didn't like the shoes mom bought me in fifth grade, um, you know, <laughs> um, we, just, we just peel it away. Just a little bit of layer at a time, little layer at a time, little layer at a time. Um, and until we've been conquered by love, we're still doing that. We may still be doing it after that. I just don't can't answer that question for you. Um, I've never heard the Dalai Lama or Desmond Tutu refer to that any, at any further point. Um, so really, I would say um, mindfulness is mental and emotional stability, and it's grounded in your body. And as a beginner, you start where you are. We always start where we are. There's days when I'm really great and I'm singing a song and moving along. And then I'm back to the very beginning because it's one of those days. And I just sit there and breathe and daydream and come back to my breathing and daydream and then come back to my breathing and then daydream and come back to my breathing. And it's just the way it is. Yep. And I'll, I'll, I don't, I have spiritual teachers that say that that's still true for them sometimes. So I don't think you ever get done. We're all beginning again. I've even had a, um, a mindfulness trainer walk us through noticing the train of thought. So not stopping that no, no. train as it chugs on mm -hmm. by. No. But really, and that's kind of the basis of things, but instead of bringing it back to the breath in this particular practice, he had us just let that train keep falling. Yep. And it's really fascinating where all the places when you start off with the pineapples really pretty sweet for breakfast all the mm -hmm. way to <laughs> I've got to plan that trip abroad. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not going to plan itself. It's amazing the breadth and everything in between and how you get from one thought to the other. Right. Our brain. Whew, so that developmental milestone what we're talking about is yeah. I'm not my thoughts. Oh, yes. Right. What is it? The cloud in the sky? Or the weather. I used the analogy in my book, and now I've lost it. <laughs> it's kind of like the the sky is your is your mind, and everything else is just the weather, like oh, the things yep. that go across it. Mm -hmm. The Pema Chodron, and maybe she said yep. that. Oh, I love Pema Chodron. Maybe she'll be on the show one of these days. Sure, anytime now. <laughs> anytime now, <laughs> along with Brene. Space. Brene does not even know how much I adore her. Mm -hmm. I, I always tell people that she is like my adopted aunt. She doesn't know it, mm -hmm. but she is totally my adopted aunt. I really look to her for a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful work, what she does. So I think she's getting ready to come back at this point from a 
maybe a, a sabbatical. I think next month. I think she took like a. I, she and her staff, I think, took three or four months and mm, and yeah. turned it off. Because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I wrote her a comment, just giving her some yeah. some props to that. Not that, that she needs it for me, but I I was really proud of her as a leader. We doing think that. these crazy hours that we work and never taking vacation is helpful. It's terrible. Oh, she talks about that in, yeah. in a book. I, I think in one of her books she talked about how. She got going so fast in life, you know, the bookings and mm-hmm. all, all the different work the, and, and her, her writings. I can't imagine Research. how full her schedule was with the yep. travel and whatnot. I think it was one, in one of her books she talked about running into a glass door or something like that, oh. had massive problems and fallout from that. And sometimes in those moments when you wake up to the fact that maybe you need to slow down right but it's but I think the work that and I applaud the work that she has done and the sacrifices honestly that she has made and the and the break that she has had I feel like the work that we're trying to do is to see if we can help folks avoid running into the glass door um if possible you know she she, her focus, her research is on the point just past what we're talking about where, okay, now you're aware and, and you need to be more vulnerable and you need to show up and you need to pay attention to this reaction or that reaction, whatever. A lot of what we're talking about is having that psychological capacity to actually notice it. Yeah. Right. Not to just bury it back under. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're really good at burying things. You know, there's, Jan, I tell people all the time that mm-hmm. pain and big emotions, they demand to be felt. And you can shove mm-hmm. them down and you can run away from them. You can distract yourself. You can numb mm-hmm. out whatever it is that you do. It'll keep coming back. It'll yeah. keep yep. It'll keep knocking on the door. The younger you are, the more likely you are to have an accident, like running into a glass door. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the older you are, you're more likely to have an illness. But it, but it demands to be felt. It'll come out. Mm-hmm. It'll come out in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's, that's a good reminder. That's a great reminder. Let's do another quick exercise. That's where I was getting ready to lead us. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Jan. So first, I would like us each to just think about something that we love. And it doesn't have to be this big, huge event moment. It can be your dog this morning. It can be your child if they're not acting up. Uh, it can be your garden. It can be... A sunrise, sunset, that comfy couch you get to come sit home, sit on when you get home. Just that, ah, that, ah, that, it's an expansive feeling. For me, it's an expanding of my heart as well. And I just want you to pick, and I want you to pick one. I want it to be very specific because we're going to move into that state. And what happens, as we know, is memories, uh, stored chemically and in our bodies. So I want the chemical wash of that joy, of that love, of that comfort, of that ease, gratitude, beauty. It's all good. So let's just spend another second here coming up with that memory. And when you're ready and you feel like you have it, again, we're focusing on the heart, Breathing in through the heart, out through the solar plexus diaphragm. 
Let's take five breaths. So what we've done here now is the same vagus nerve calming our autonomic nervous system down. Heart rate's a little slower, blood pressure's a little lower. But that heart feeling, whatever that was for you, changes our biochemistry. So here I am public speaking right now, right? And yet I know that I just had a wash of all the endorphins, all the good ones that we like, right? So my cortisol's a little lower, my adrenaline's a little lower, even my insulin's a little lower. Most people don't realize that insulin gets shot out also when you're in that stress situation. And so I'm physically in a completely different place. And we spent less than a minute. Now here's the thing to get. My heart's pumping, right? And we know that if my heart doesn't pump oxygen through my body pretty darn quick, I'm I'm in trouble, right? Like, it can't take more than a few seconds for it to get down my leg, for example. So if it's pumping oxygen, it's also pumping all those biochemistry, all that serotonin and dopamine and all those things. In less than 30 seconds, I can completely change my physical state. Why would you ever make a decision in any other state? Beautiful tip there. I love that. And these are basically the two. Like, you can do it with your eyes open. We can do it while we're walking. We can do it while we drive. Yeah. It's a great one. There are times when I'm at a stoplight, and I try to do just little miniature practices, because why not? What else am I going to do while I'm sitting there? Right. I love that. I'll tell you what I was thinking about. Sure. If you'll do yours, truth or dare. (laughs) (laughs) So mine was, um, I, my daughter got all dressed up today and she looked cute as Shirley Temple. I swear mm-hmm. to God, we got, had her hair in ringlets and mm-hmm. she had a cute little headband. Mm-hmm. She's dressed up for Colts Friday at her oh, school. Yep. She was absolutely adorable. And I just cut her bangs across here. <laughs> I mean, the picture of cuteness, even her little pink glasses. Mm-hmm. So my, I had my husband take a picture of her this morning and I just mm-hmm. thought of that moment. How we were both mm-hmm. just... Admiring her cuteness. Yep. My dog was just groomed, so she smells really good and is all soft and just as cute as you can imagine, right? So, like, I'm on the bed with her, you know, putting my face in her fur and, you know, just a snuggle. What kind of dog? We need a visual. Shih tzu. Oh, yeah. Little bitty. Little bitty girl. I would like for us to talk a little bit about the health crisis going on, in, particularly here in the U.S. Sure. From my perspective, I'm dealing with um, the person who's close to burnout, the person who's close to, well, probably is some places already overwhelmed. And the term that I use and have experienced when I was in grad school is adrenal fatigue, 
which basically means your adrenal glands are just flooding you all the time. And of course, with that, the cortisol and all the other stuff. Um, and you exhaust yourself. You literally, physically exhaust yourself. Oh, and guess what adrenaline does? It doesn't let you sleep. And it makes you kind of jumpy. You don't necessarily have to have tremors and all that stuff, but like you're, you just can't calm down. And of course, this is where a lot of the um, drug use comes in. And I, I mean, normal, like an Ambien or, or, you know, a Valium or whatever, that kind of thing, right? Um, and you just can't calm down. And you go on vacation. And unless you're staying long enough, and since the average vacation in America is five days, you haven't, you never calm down. So you're still on the inside doing this kind of jumpy, fragmented, crazy place. Oh, I should read you the, the David Bohm quote on fragmentation. Um, it's, it was written in 1980. Um, he talks about how fragmentation is so critical now that it's causing a general confusion of the mind and making it impossible for us to problem solve because we can't see the problems. Let me repeat, that was printed in 1980, which would have made it written in 77 because this is linotype days when each letter <laughs> was put in a little thing. <laughs> um, and we have not slowed down. We have not stopped this general confusion of the mind. We have maybe 200, 300, 400 times worse than it was before. So these are real physical things. They're real mental and emotional things or psychological things. Um, and the more I'm doing this and running around and just trying to deal with the smallest possible part of reality that I can handle because this is all I can do and I can't even pay attention here, where if I just expand out a look a little bit, it's like, oh, I can just go around that hole in the wall. I mean, I can just go around that hole. Like, I don't have to dump in the middle of it. Um, but as we narrow our perception, we get more and more crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I've heard it quoted that 75% of doctor's visits are due to stress. Um, this has been a few years ago, actually, this particular study. I've heard study. up to 95. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So do you get that, right? Like, if every thought that I'm thinking sends a biochemical signature right? Let's say this is my piano. I've got all those keys. But am I doing this? Playing the whole, no, 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 I'm boom, 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 boom. Well, guess what? I just wore that part of me out. Yeah. It's, and what all I need to do is expand back out into my full self. Yeah. But we don't do that because we're too stressed and that takes capacity that we simply don't attend to anymore. And when, so we lose ourselves. We talked about getting older. Getting old, not aging, is a narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. I'm not going to the mall anymore because something bad happened. I'm, I can't go. I can only go to this one grocery store. I can only do, I can only go out and eat at this one restaurant. You know what I mean? We just, I don't like any of those people anymore. We just narrow, 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 narrow. Yeah. And, and it's costly. It's costly to our own physical well-being, our mental well-being. Um, and, and our capacity and to think critically. Our capacity to think critically. And, and, and even all these, uh, the study talked about how 
it, it cost an estimated $300 billion, which this stress and these doctor's visits and probably medication and all sorts of um, help to come into this overpounded section of our piano. It, it feels like when you, you look at it through the lens of the conversation we've had today, I keep thinking we can't afford not to to learn how to be mindful. That's what keeps That's just popping up in neon lights in, in my mind. One of the things that you had said, you talked about the adrenal gland, and I think that is that is a, a powerful part of our, our, our physiology. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you know, if we get overtaxed in our adrenal gland, is there a certain point where the adrenal gland will not function oh, anymore? Yeah. It's bad. If, if it hasn't gotten to that point, is there a way to tune back that oh, part yes. of our piano to? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, so like, there's hope. I was there at the end of my PhD, like <sighs> fried myself. Um, what, what kind yeah, of symptoms typically happen when folks have adrenal, what um, do they call it? Fatigue, adrenal fatigue. Well, it's that stuff I was talking about where you can't sleep. Okay. Um, you can't relax. You can't really focus. And you may not know that you can't focus because you can't focus enough to notice that you're not focusing. Like, okay. you, you know what I mean? It's like you're in this and so you can't see it. Um, there's an agitation, an irritation, quick to anger, quick response, um, overwhelm. And if you go on vacation and you actually try to calm down, and, and yes, you need to go see your doctor and do some things with that, um, a naturopathic doctor is most MDs. Function, any kind of functional medicine doctor would be great. Okay. Um, How would they approach it differently than just a, a, a completely Western approach? So an allopathic doctor is going to look for, um, and I forget what the exact diagnosis is, but it's some kind of glandular disorder, like, because, you know, adrenal gland, right? It's a gland. And so if they haven't reached a certain point that it's subclinical, it's not a problem. Well, it is a problem, and we would like to stop it before it becomes, like it stops functioning completely, right? So, and that's nutrition and, and, and that kind of thing, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not licensed to to give advice and that kind of thing oh, sure. but you know no, i'm just i'm just um, curious what, what i will that looks tell like. you that i did a book called the diet cure um written by a nutritionist and there's a quiz in the back and it helped me kind of get a clue and then i went to a, a naturopathic doctor so um she helped me get it all back in order but our our entire society's built and created around this manic crazy um and it's only got worse with COVID, right? It only got worse with all the stuff that's going on now. So, so, so we unsubscribe, um, right? We unsubscribe to the... How, how do we do that, though? I keep coming back to that because it kind of goes back to the not, not being of the world, but you're in the world. I mean, right. to, to quote that, that, that scripture, I don't know how you do both. So first of all, you change perspective. And so... And this is a story I haven't told in like 10 years, so I'm, I'm going to fumble with it. But I have a number of German friends, and their system is completely different than ours. Now, it's allopathic. I mean, they're still using medication and, and all that stuff. But it's, you know, it's social medicine, so it's funded by the government. 
and it is cheaper for them to send you to a six-week cure, translates into cure, six weeks where you sit around, read books and get in the hot tub, and go to your doctor's appointments. Every three years, I think it's every three years, than it is to pay for all the medical appointments that would happen during that time frame. So you know the GERD, you know your antacid is this, and you got a headache here, and you got sinus infection there, and you, you know, blah, 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 right? So your immune system becomes run down. Um, it is cheaper for them to send you to a retreat. You don't take your family. And you get your, your stress test, and you do all the things that you might do for a physical, right? And all the any little specific things that you might need done. It is cheaper for them to do that than it is to have the stress build up so much that they're paying for every little incident. Fascinating. And at the time, they were the third largest economy in the world. Wow. Yeah. They start with, what is it, four to six weeks vacation. They're not, when they're at work, they're working. And then they're not working. Yeah, aren't there some so, countries where it's illegal to communicate after hours? <laughs> I feel like I've heard this. Well, illegal would imply that they thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's half the battle, isn't it? <laughs> I, I saw on your website this quote by Ron Heifetz that says, the currency of leadership is attention. Tell me what you meant by by including that on your website. Why is that so important that you put it on your website? It is our capacity to focus on a problem. Or if I have five problems, which one do I'm picking? That's where I'm leading. Now, I can delegate. Nothing wrong with that. All good. But where I'm placing my attention is the place that I'm leading. And if I don't even have attention because I'm all wound up or adrenal fatigue or didn't sleep well last night or the dog vomited on my shoes or any number of things. Um, it's, it's impaired. And how much can you afford your leadership to be impaired? How much can you afford that? See, we don't, we don't figure out that cost because it's not real, right? It's woo-woo. But it's real. It's very real. It's very real. What are some daily strategies that you would share with leaders to be more mindful? Play with the practice until you find one you like. And there's so many. You know, I call them brands. I'm sure there's people that wouldn't like that. But it doesn't matter. Pick the one you like, right? But then you have to do it. And you do it on the day when it sucks and you're terrible at it, right? And you do it when it's great. And I talk about it as in um, sit-ups, right? Like, I'm, let's say I give you the breathing assignment and you're going to go home and do that. And deep breathing is not the same. I'll talk about coherence in a minute. Um, and you come back the next week, we're talking, and you did it twice. I mean, you know, I went home, I did two sit-ups, and they didn't work. No, they didn't. So we're literally taking whatever the situation is that you're needing some extra strength around and the technique that I'm teaching you, and we're repairing it. 
as in pairing, as in Pablo's dogs and the bell salivating, we're going to make them jump, whatever that is, right? We're going to repair the behavior and we're repairing it. Oh, I like what in you did the there. sense of that's now my go-to. I now go there instead of... Bleh. Yes, we talked about if things mm-hmm. get crazy, there, if, if you're not... If you're not centered, you might be just yelling at everyone and you have no direction. Whereas if you're paired properly, you have been repaired, you have that trigger, I'm noticing this. And you fix it quicker. Yeah, this is more of my response. And it may be, everyone needs to leave my office. I need a few minutes to gather my thoughts. Of course. Right? But- as, a, as in any relationship. <laughs> you know, you're going to need to leave the room. <laughs> I need a few minutes. Or you leave Or the I room. leave the room. Right. Right. Yeah. Carry on without me for a minute. I'll be back. So it's really important to understand. I've worked in organizations where hit the fan, if I'm allowed to say that on here. We'll try that again. 20 years ago. The fit hit the shan, right? (laughs) And they're still in it. And they're still swimming in it. And they don't even get how much harder it is to clean it up than it is to just solve the problem. So, like, you can have your moment. But the... The less seconds, minutes, moments between you going back and going, okay, hold on, do over, time out, whatever it is. Um, there's, I'm not using trauma in the capital T sense, right? Like we assume no one died, right? But trauma in the sense of, oh my God, I hate my boss or something like that, those can stay. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. Decades. Uh, you can be in another position and you can still remember it. Um, and so it's changed you, right? It's changed a paired response in how, like, that happens. Oh, that reminds me of that old boss. Boom, I'm going to have this reaction. That's, that's what that growing up and cleaning up is. And we can't do that without being present. Beautiful. Are there specific practices that that you could give us as an example of a pairing. That would be really interesting to me. Or even a morning mindfulness sit-up that you recommend to mm-hmm. someone that maybe maybe it's worked for them. Give us a couple examples. Um, well, the heart-focused breathing that we've learned, we've done a couple times here, is so easy. So I would try to incorporate that in some way. It could be that you sit in your car for two extra minutes before you go in. Uh, or, you know, in your chair before you turn on your computer, whatever it is now. Um, I think that moment that you're doing that and you're doing the breathing, to remember that you're not your thoughts. So I can have a thought and it not be true. (laughs) My body will still react to it. We know that. Look at dreams, right? We can wake up. We think we're just chased. Oh, guess what? No one's chasing me. And yet my body, you know, I'm sweating and I'm running. You know what I mean? All this stuff is happening. So we tend to think that if I feel it, or it's real. Most of our thoughts aren't true. I mean, like a whole lot more than half. Um, and so you're going to go in and you're going to have experiences, whatever that day is. And you're just not going to take it. It's kind of like you're just not going to take it all that seriously. You're just not going to be that attached if you want to talk it from a Buddhist perspective, right? It doesn't mean it's not important. 
It means I'm not going to add the emotional overlay to it. Or if, it's, or if the emotions come up, we notice and we step mm -hmm. back. And you can tag team. You know, you can have someone else that... Um, I've, had, I've had people hand um, a leader a pencil when they would start to do that thing. And uh, I was sitting one time, I'd been working with this one leader for like about a month, and he just still wasn't quite getting it. He wanted it to learn, but he just didn't quite get it. I'm like, okay, so we need someone who's going to be here in the office, like more frequently and able to cue you when you're doing this behavior. Because he didn't think he did it at all. Can you tell us what the behavior was? Uh, it was a form of yelling, but for him it wasn't yelling. He was just a very large man, and he had a very strong voice, and so it was perceived as yelling even when he didn't necessarily mean it that way, right? And um, I said, who do you trust? You know, tell me someone we can call in here, and they can be like your partner, and they can give you a cue. And so we brought this woman in, and, and, and she knew who I was, and she was a finance person, so she knew exactly what I was doing here. And I'm like, would you be willing to help us? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I said, I, she goes, I have an example. I haven't asked the question yet because she already knew. And he just, like, how can she know if we haven't told her? Yeah, how can she not know? Yeah. And so then he said, well, let's, let's broadcast, you know, code blue over the intercom. Like, how many seconds do you think everybody's going to know what code blue means? So it would be, she would just hand him a pencil, like she would just, you know, or a pen or whatever. It didn't matter what was handy. But she would go up to him and hand him something like that. Now, that could still end up being known, but it would take longer than code blue, for example. Um, because what we don't understand as leaders is everybody else already knows. You're not hiding something. <laughs> they already know. And they would be happy to help you, as good, healthy people, right? I'd be happy to help you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so is there, a, is there a, a happy ending to this? Oh, yeah. No, like it worked. He, it, it worked, okay. Yeah, he just Super. needed a little more concrete explanation of when that behavior was occurring. And since I didn't follow him around all the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, we just needed a local, local body, if you will. And then we would still work on, and so a lot of this comes under the heading of emotional intelligence, you know, and there's assessments for all that, and, and we post-tested, and, you know, whatever, the things that make people happy, numbers and graphs. And I would like to lead you in a practice, Great. if you would join me here. Um, we're going to do the glowy daily reflection practice. This is a practice that I developed and included in my book, The Chaos Antidote, mm -hmm. a fable about mindfulness, and glowy is an acronym, and so... G stands for grateful. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's pretty self-explanatory. The L stands for lift up. Those can be things that might need some extra resources, either for yourself or for someone else. You're mm -hmm. just identifying those. The O stands for observe, and that could be something you notice in your body. It could be something you hear. It could be thoughts that you've been having, mm -hmm. um, something you're observing about yourself. The W stands for wholesome intention. And I know in mindfulness, there's a lot of talk about intention setting, mm -hmm. and this helps you just identify that. Um, and the last one is my favorite. It stands for you are. The Y stands for you are, and it gives you a chance to um, kind of pat yourself on the back, a little positive affirmation before you head out the door. I love that one. So we'll start with the G. Okay. What are you grateful for, Jan? Mm. 
Well, I'm grateful for doing this podcast. I'm also grateful that I get to create my own life. Yeah. That is a powerful thing. The L stands for lift up. It's something that needs some resources. Mm. The capacity for people to listen to each other. What do you observe? That I'm calm. That I didn't have the normal public speaking kind of thing that sometimes happens. The W stands for wholesome intention. And I would say that's, I mean, a fair constant for me is just, um, Remembering the vastness, placing my attention on the vastness. And the why is for you are. You'd be your cheerleader, a cheerleader for yourself for a moment. Jan, you are lucky is what comes to my mind right now, actually. I like that one. Before we wrap up here, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your exciting new book, <laughs> A Call to Wholeness. Yep. I... As I mentioned before we started the podcast, I was a little shocked by the format. It was a pleasant surprise because you are one of the smartest women I know. <laughs> and I thought she is going to present this in a very, uh, I think we said left-brained way. Mm -hmm. she, she's very factual and it's going to be probably some stories mixed in, but definitely some facts and figures and when I opened the book, um, actually on, on an ebook. So once I, mm -hmm. once I opened the book, I thought, wow, so this is, um, kind of a fable or, or mm -hmm. fairy. I think you call it a fairy tale, yep. uh, which was a very pleasant surprise. So talk to us about a call, a call to wholeness. Well, there's a ton of science around all of this and it just becomes too heavy for a lot of people. It becomes another form of overwhelm. We don't need more overwhelm. So I wanted it to be the experience. And so it's these two women, right, working in a toxic work environment. They're at leadership level, so they're, you know, going to the leadership meetings and all this stuff and full on crap, full on crap. And what they, like the, for their own sanity, for their own health, for their own reality, it had to change. And so they changed it for themselves. And then of course, it starts to ripple out within the organization because they don't put up with the, they don't participate in the crappy conversations and the nasty comments and the bickering that goes on in all those meetings. Um, they just either don't participate or they redirect it. So it changes the culture, right? It changes the holding environment. And, um, and then it's just literally their steps. And in the second half of the book, some of the steps are... I mean, this is not a dissertation, right? This is a light version of some of the science. Um, my dissertation was the heavy version of the science. So um, I wanted something that was approachable, and the story itself is 107 pages. I wanted 100, it just didn't quite happen. 100, short, 100 pages is a short story, and it basically talks to you about everything you need to know about how to change yourself and your culture, right? Uh, and then, of course, the back half's there if you want it. 
So call the wholeness. Yeah. And where can we get this? Everywhere. Everywhere. You know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all those places. All the right. online places. Wonderful. Yep. You also offer some uh, mindfulness and leadership development. Talk yes. to us a little bit about that. About that. Um, so that's going to always be on my website, janbyers.com, J-A-N-B-Y-A-R-S.com. And the leadership and the mindfulness component will be backsplash, backslash well-being. So whatever the current course is, it will be there. We have one starting in the fall here just a few weeks. Um, I also do a little bit here local. That's, so that's online. That makes it work for busy schedules. And then in Indianapolis, I'm going to be doing a series of five uh, spiritual formation courses, I guess you would call it. But it's uh, all sorts of different practices. So it's not just Christian. It would include Buddhist and other forms of so people can try different things, you know what I mean? So people can see what they like. Now that's in person, that's not gonna be, there's no video, there's no uh, online component to that. But what comes down to, this is a very personal fit. We need to find the practice that works for us and we need to figure out where we are and able to look at ourselves and self-correct. And, and we need to find that spot and start from the beginning. Because if we start from some other place, the GPS just doesn't work. Jan, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan, signing off. <laughs>